and welcome to our Integrity podcast series, Understanding Integrity. This four-part series is brought to you via a partnership between the Institute of Public Administration Australia and the Australian Public Service Commission. My name is Rena Brunsma. I'm the first Assistant Commissioner at the APSC. I'll begin today's podcast by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we are broadcasting from, the Ngunnawal people. I would like to pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge the ongoing contribution they make to the life of our country and this beautiful region. So today's topic is external perspectives. Uh, we're going to focus on integrity, but as it looks like from outside of the public service. We'll look a little bit more closely at how the public perceives integrity in the APS, as well as what integrity means across other sectors. We'll explore the relationship between integrity and public trust. How can we respond to challenges in this space? And what opportunities are available to us? I'm very pleased to be joined today by an excellent panel. We've got Dr. Simon Longstaff, the Executive Director of the Ethics Centre, Commander Jason Kennedy, Assistant Commissioner of the Australian Federal Police, and Ms. Philippa King, Deputy CEO of Austrade and former Executive at National Australia Bank. Thank you all so much for joining me today. To begin with, some of our listeners may not actually be familiar with your roles. Uh, so I was wondering if we could just give our listeners a quick overview of what it is you do. We might start with you, Simon. Well, uh, my job for the past 30 years has been running an organisation called the Ethics Centre. It provides practical support to individuals and organisations dealing with ethical questions that come before them and includes what is still the world's only free national helpline for people who've got ethical issues where anybody from federal cabinet ministers to farmers can come to get assistance to work through some of the complex issues they face. And finally, I have a bit of a public role to try and help people both identify and address some of the issues that come up more generally for the community. Thanks, Simon. Jason. Yeah, thank you. So. Um... I've been with the Australian Federal Police for 27 years now, and I'm currently in charge of our professional standards area. In the AFP, uh, we investigate um, both uh, complaints that we receive, uh, as well as corruption-based matters as well. So um, we not only investigate criminal matters involving our own members, but we also investigate from an administrative point of view uh, to ensure that our members are complying with our code of conduct. Thanks, Jason. And Philippa? Yeah, hi, Rena. So my role is I'm Deputy CEO at Austrade, um, which is the Australian Trade and Investment Commission, so um, Trade and Investment Promotion Agency for the Australian Government. And I've been only I've been in this role only a couple of months. Um, prior to that, I was Executive for Government Affairs and Public Policy at National Australia Bank for a couple of years, and prior to that, was with uh, the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade for over twenty years. Excellent. So you've got both private sector and public sector. We'll come back to that a bit later. Um, so thanks, everyone. Simon, if I can start with you, I'm interested in your views about the role that integrity plays in shaping trust. Well, it's the foundation for trust, really. I mean, integrity literally means that you are what you say you are and you do what you will say you will do. So if any individual or any organisation establishes from the outset the core values and principles by which it is going to be making judgment and then consistently acts in alignment with that, 
people then start to trust them because they say, well, you've said this and you're doing that. I can rely more and more upon that. Conversely, if you say that you believe in X, but you consistently do Y, even if it's just accidentally, people say, well, I can't trust you because you've led me to believe this is the standard of judgment and yet you've breached it on a continuing basis. And so it's experienced as hypocrisy. And if you're inside an organisation, that breaks the bonds of the organisation. It's like a, an acid that eats away at these things. And if you're outside an organisation, you start to treat it with extreme scepticism. Thank you. I really like what you said about, um, you know, it's a good reminder. You are what you say you are and are you going to do what you said you would do? I think um, that's the basis of trust for, you know, us in our relationships as well. Um, Jason, it would be great to get your insights from the Australian Federal Police perspective, noting that, you know, the, the AFP operates in such a complex environment and requires a high degree of trust from both government and the Australian community. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, for us, um, particularly because the Australian Federal Police are responsible for the uh, enforcement of both uh, Commonwealth and uh, local laws, um, probably the biggest thing for us, and it's a catch cry that I quite often use to my people, is doing the right thing, or integrity is doing the right thing even when nobody's watching, which is somewhat reflective of the environment the police work in. Um, a lot of time we're entrusted with um, making decisions around um, people's liberty, uh, dealing with property, seizing drugs and the like. And so a lot of the time it's only you know, people are working by themselves or they're um, working in small teams. And it's really about making sure that, um, you know, they have the utmost, um, you know, integrity from the point of view is doing the right thing because the members of the public, um, you know, rightly so, would say, well, if the police can't do it, well, why, why should I do it? And so it really erodes that, um, you know, the the public trust in our, our very institution, our very constitution, and, um, you know, where the police are responsible for upholding it, um, we really do put a really big component on, on that um, integrity part. And I guess for the police, um, you know, we, we, the public probably holds you to a higher standard than everyone else because you are so visibly um, in the spotlight there. Yeah, um, most definitely. And, um, and that's certainly um, right across the board is people always talk about and all, will always place the police on a pedestal, um, which, you know, even that goes as far as even within the Fair Work Commission, um, you know, a couple of recent decisions that we've had around terminations have been upheld and um, the Fair Work Commission even say the police are, you know, held to a higher regard. Yeah. Philippa, you've worked both in the public and private sectors. I'm interested in your thoughts about integrity from your, your time outside of the APS um, and how and now how that translates now that you're in the APS. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, do you, do you mean by that range? Do you, do you mean is there a different sort of notion of in, integrity, or do you mean is the what's the what's the take on integrity inside the APS from outside? Um, look, I, I'm happy for you to cover either, but I guess um, I was really interested in um, you know. From your perspective, did it change from being outside of the public sector to being inside of the public sector, the notion of integrity and its importance? Yeah, no, look, look, I mean, I think that they're very similar. It's a I think Simon put it put it really well. And as he as he was saying it, it it is absolutely integrity and trust is about how an organization is perceived, right? So, um, whether you're a bank or whether you're the foreign affairs department helping out sort of Australians in crisis, whether you're 
the federal police, whether you're the trade investment commission, uh, you know, investment commission helping, you know, an Australian exporter or something. He, he, I agree totally with him that it is about being clear with the community and with the Australian public what you are and how you how you do things, um, and also that you'll do what you say you're going to do, and whether that's government or or the bank. I mean, I think a lot of the issues that the that the banks had um, post Royal Commission or through the Royal Commission, and then with the findings of that, was that there was a perception that the banks were saying that they were one thing and doing something different. Um, and I think, you know, that it's all about integrity and trust is all about what the community's expectation is of you as an organisation um, and how you go about performing that role in support of the Australian community and individuals. Thanks. I'd like to explore, I'll, I'll continue this um, theme a little bit with you, but what do you see are some of the unique integrity challenges of the for the APS? Well, I think Jason's point about, about being held to a higher standard um, is definitely the case for the police, but it's it's right across the APS, I think. I think um, that this, and this is part of the complexity that businesses have faced in recent times as well. There haven't been the same standards and expectations placed on business that the APS is used to. And there hasn't been the same level of transparency either um, that the public service has become very accustomed to and business is now starting to become accustomed to. So I think it is that notion that there that you are held to a higher standard and that, and that community and individual expectations of what the APS can deliver for people it is very high. And it should be, you know, it's a public, it's a public institution. Um, it's taxpayer funded. Um, and I think people inside the APS um, are motivated, are motivated in many ways by the fact that, you know, they're held to a high standard and they're performing um, a function that is in support of the Australian community and Australian individuals so and the national interest. Um, so I think that's, the, that's the, the sort of particular challenge, I think, that the APS has in terms of the public perception of the, you know, the integrity and the, and the standards to which it should be held. Thanks. Simon and Jason, any additional thoughts to add about, you know, the challenges for the APS? Let's start with you, Simon. Yeah, I think it's not so much a challenge. I think it's something about the institutional context of the Australian Public Service. Whether it's been different in the past, I'm not sure, but at the moment, the political class, the elected politicians, have a very partial gaze, if I can put it that way. They look at the electorate and you only really get noticed, perhaps, if you're in a marginal seat or something of that kind. Whereas our government has to serve every single Australian, irrespective of where they happen to be located. And so you get the strange thing in the political space where you hear three mayors before the last federal election saying that they need to make themselves into marginal electorates just to be seen. But the Australian Public Service has to have a completely impartial gaze. It needs to see every single citizen in an equal light and to treat it in that kind of just and equitable way. So the trust that we repose in the Australian Public Service as an essential element of government I'd include the federal police in this, uh, Jason, is absolutely critical to the actual quality, if you like, the integrity of our democracy itself. And so that puts a very particular obligation on public servants to have virtues like moral courage, you know, to be prepared to notice and care for a citizen, even if no one necessarily wants you to. And the more that you build, if you like, the, the ethical skin 
that's around the public service, the more enduring it is. And it's interesting to think about this kind of notion of skin. If you're on a motorbike and you come off, you don't want to be your own skin that's being dragged along the road. So people wear leathers and that's the thing that becomes abraded. The same thing with the public service. You want to build a nice, thick, ethical skin so that when it's being dragged along the roadway of life, it's got that kind of depth and resilience to be able to cope with some of the challenges, not for its own sake, but for the sake of the community it ultimately serves. And I think you're right there. Um, you know, what attracts us uh, as public servants to being in the public service, it, it is about service to the public. So um, having that... Um, you know, having that mantra that we need to uh, do what we say we will we will do and be what we say we will be is is really part of why many of us want to be public servants. Um, Jason, uh, in terms of what you see the challenges are for the public service, for me, it's um, watching the COVID situation quite closely. Is probably uh, um, that trust in government and the what we're having at the moment, seeing. Um, you know, saying to the public, we need to get vaccinated, we need to reach those 80% um, uh, uh, rates to to open up the country. But, you know, you've then got misinformation right across social media and the like. So um, in some sense, that good, strong moral fibre and that trust in um, government and institutions allows you to cut through that misinformation because people have trust. They've got um, previous dealings that actually say, I do trust this institution, I trust that over what I'm just reading on Facebook or what I've just um, seen elsewhere. So I think um, these days where the news cycles are pretty much 24-7 now, um, there's actually a lot of chaff to get through um, in order to really get the, um, the correct information out there and to be able to break through. And I think that's where the trust is really, really important because people need to have a, um, a benchmark of, of where that trust comes from. So that's a challenge that I see um, right across the public service, um, government, and uh, even in a policing sense as well. And uh, certainly that's um, very different in Australia to, to what it currently is in other countries like the United States at the moment, where I think, you know, in Australia, we still, we are coming to government for um, for the source of truth um, rather than Facebook, but uh, we've got to maintain that, don't we? I'll talk now about opportunities. So I'm interested in understanding what we can learn from outside of the APS. So Jason, you've noted that the AFP invests heavily in maintaining trust and works closely with APS agencies. Do you have thoughts on opportunities for the APS? So what's worked well for the AFP? For the AFP, um, we've got a very much a, a strong integrity framework. So from the very first day that um, people join the AFP, um, they're uh, inducted into what, what our framework looks like and we've got a multifaceted framework. Um, more often than not, people look at our professional standards area as just investigators um, who just investigate corruption and complaints, whereas um, for us it's a lot more than that. And so a lot of the work that I've been doing in the last 12 months that I've been in this role is really getting out there and educating our workforce because a lot of the time um, our people don't really understand where the conflicts of interest are or they don't un understand the moral dilemmas or the ethical dilemmas that exist in, in policing and ultimately, you know, what it means to be held up on that um, higher pedestal of, you know, trust from the public. So we have actually um, created a cradle-to-grave training. We only ever used to give training at the beginning, whereas now we tend to give that training right through from not only recruits and um, new member induction, right through to different points throughout their career on what 
integrity and ethics and professional standards mean not only as a team member but now as a team leader, as an executive member um, in certain roles and the like. So we're, we're getting people to think about professional standards and integrity as being something front of mind and it's just something that becomes normal. Um, for us, it's the prevention. I really try and put the, um, the ambulance at the top of the cliff rather than at the bottom. So for me, the, people, the further people fall, the harder it is to, to bring them back. So for me, that education prevention piece is really about just telling people where the pitfalls are and you know, providing them the opportunities. So we have a very strong integrity reporting, even security incident reporting. So if for whatever reason they think their integrity may be in question somewhere, or um, uh, you know, there's someone's asked a question of them, they can at least report it to us so we're aware and we can at least put something around it to, to mitigate whatever it is. Ultimately, out of um, we've got systems in place around the detection of where things may not be right, and obviously we put investigations to that and look for learnings and also seek to uh, find the truth. And out of that, we then have the continual improvement. So there's a, a continuous um, recirculation of our lessons back into the workforce. Um, but for us, it's really about making sure our members do the right thing all the time and um, supporting them to understand where the those dilemmas and um, uh, the like lie and how they then manage that um, through that, in, that um, reporting framework. So that's how the AFP does it. Thank you. That reminds me of in our first series, um, the Australian Public Service Commissioner Peter Woolcott mentioned that you know developing an understanding and awareness of integrity is something that is you know we all have responsibility for, and it's a it's a lifelong habit. So you can learn it and you can exercise it, so that when you're faced with a dilemma, you actually know what to do. Uh, and you were talking about you know um, admitting when there there has been a breach of uh, of some sort of integrity, but having the trust within the organisation to be able to go to your supervisor or manager and and um, tell them what's happening and address it and nip it in the bud right there and then. Um, Philippa, any thoughts that you might have on opportunities for the APS? Yeah, I mean, I think we're at a we're at a really really interesting point at the moment because uh, I mean, to my mind. You know, in going back to Simon's point, you know that um, integrity is about um, saying, you know, doing what you say you're going to do. To, to me, it's also about delivering. You know, and there is a really u unique opportunity. I mean, given everything that's happened over the last couple of years with COVID, we're in a, a situation now where the APS really has quite an extraordinary capacity to deliver for Australians, whether it's you know, uh, stabilising the economy, whether it is, you know, achieving that that vaccine rollout and getting those numbers right up, um, whether it's, you know, helping, you know, small businesses sort of stay on their, stay stay afloat until, until things get going again. You know, the breadth and scope of the decision-making um, through the, throughout the APS as a result of the pandemic has been quite extraordinary. I think the public has seen that. I, d I know from working in a big corporate during the, most of the pandemic that that was really um, acknowledged very strongly um, at the bank, the extent to which the APS was having to respond and act um, in the interests of all Australians. And in fact, it was um, a really good opportunity for the bank too, to work closely with the government. And the reality is that if you're doing that and you are actually, um, you know, delivering with professionalism um, that has a, a huge impact in terms of the public's trust 
not just on the APS, but on private organisations, on community organisations. Um, and it's and it's not just about delivering, it's about deliver, the way you deliver. Um, you know, deliver with professionalism, deliver with transparency um, so that you're consulting with the right people, um, you know, that you're taking people's interests into, a, into account, you're making it clear that that's what you're doing. So I think actually at the moment um, the opportunity for the APS to really sort of demonstrate um, the professionalism with which it can achieve things and deliver for Australians is actually is actually um, quite a significant opportunity that we've got and will continue to have for some time, I think. And so, you, you know, it's really important, all the things that Jason is saying about that institutional capability um, and sort of that making sure that that is the framework with which people are acting um, and taking decisions um, is incredibly important just because the breadth and scope of APS activities is so much broader than it has been in the past. Thanks, Philippa. Um, Simon, where do you see the opportunities for the APS? Well, I'm really building upon what the others have already said. The first thing I think is that the Australian Public Service was along with most other institutions in Australia for a period of time drawn down into the black hole of compliance as being its principal response to the challenge of integrity. And so it was around rules and their enforcement and surveillance systems and things of that kind. And what we now know is that that does not work. It's not just that it's unpleasant, but it's largely ineffective in comparison to creating cultures in which people voluntarily want to do the right thing in the way that Jason was talking about it. But to do that, you've got to be prepared to do a couple of other things. The first thing, I think there's a huge opportunity to go beyond merely the rhetoric, but improve the reality about delegation, where you actually allow people to make decisions. And of course, for the police, um, the exercise of discretion goes very much to the old ancient role of the constable, and that's an essential element. But for other people, and including in some parts of the Commonwealth Public Service, they'll talk the game about discretion or delegation, but they won't actually allow it because people are genuinely afraid that if they make a mistake, the roof will fall in on them. And so I think there's an opportunity in the public service to be a little bit more generous with each other about the ability to make a mistake. And it's already been mentioned by Philippa about how you should be able to come forward and talk about that. But I'd reframe it in one last way, which I think is a huge opportunity. We've got used to speaking in recent years about having the benefits of a so-called speak-up culture. But I've increasingly come to be worried about that term. I think it makes it sound like it is a dangerous thing to do and you have to rally yourself to speak up. I'm far more interested in a culture of curiosity, where as a normal part of an organisational life, people can say, hang on, we say this, but we do that. And I don't understand the inconsistency, which goes back to where we were talking before about the definition of integrity. And that merely by being curious about why we do what we do and how it aligns with statements around purpose, values and principles, you can unleash the ability of people to make responsible decisions and to wonder about their workplace without it necessarily being a fearsome thing to do. And I think if we could shift in the public service both the reality around delegation and the movement from speak up to curiosity, both of those things would significantly advance the agenda around integrity. Thanks Simon and thank you to all our panel members today. Um, 
I'll just do a little bit of a, a summary, I guess, um, of our in external insights. So some of the things that I've heard and, um, you know, I'll take with me after this, you know, we've talked about that, you know, integrity is the very foundation of trust. And I liked what you said, Simon, you are what you say you are and you do what you say, said you were going to do. Um, that is how you build trust. Um, even when no one's looking. Even when no said. one's looking. That's absolutely right. Um, and, you know, uh, reflecting on the fact that it was something like COVID-19 has put us all to the test, has put the public sector to the test. People are watching. They are looking at how we respond. Um, I'd really like to encourage all of our listeners to think about that culture of curiosity. Um, so we shouldn't be afraid and we shouldn't think about uh, integrity as this uh, scary thing or speaking up as a scary thing. Um, we should actually empower our, our staff uh, to, to speak frankly um, in, a, in a, a safe environment and in an environment of trust. So, look, thank you to all of the speakers today. We've really um, welcomed your insights and experience. Um, and thank you to all of those who are listening to us. I hope you enjoyed hearing from the panel. Uh, our next integrity series is entitled Oversight Agencies. Um, so I hope you'll join me. Um, goodbye for now. The integrity series is brought to you by the Institute of Public Administration Australia and the Australian Public Service Commission. 